Welcome to the Aster Economic Review. My name is John Eckstein. I'm the Chief Investment Officer of Aster Investment Management. I'm joined today by my friend and partner, Rob Stein. Rob, hello. Hey, John. How are you? Happy Friday. Happy Friday. It is Friday. It's Friday, August 4th, a few hours after the, the payroll report came out. And as always, Rob and I are going to try and break it down and check in on the economy in general. And we actually have had a decent amount of news since the last time you and I talked. Not all of the sort of strictly economic news has been that surprising, but some of the other news has been interesting. But let's talk about payrolls first, and then we'll, we'll talk about some of the other things. The number that came out today was a little bit, you know, maybe technically slightly weaker than expected, but basically sort of right on target. We got 187,000 new jobs, non-farm payrolls, expected 200. You were pointing out that there is a net negative revision over the last two months. That is usually thought of as a pro-cyclical indicator, right? When that's positive, things are good. When that's negative, things are bad. You know, because it does reflect sort of the DLS. It doesn't have every sort of piece of data uh, and it's able to benchmark it as the month's Pass. So, like, whoops, you know, we assume that we're going to get 100 jobs from this guy, but we only got 90. So, yeah, right. So, you know, 50,000 is what it is, but, you know, you're right. It sometimes gives a little whiff of a clue. Clearly, as they say, this number, you know, was good enough for government's work. Yeah, a little less than expected. Sure, revisions were 50,000 negative over the last, what is it, 30, 60 days. And, you know, we'll say the usual things about what that would possibly suggest, but really there's not enough in this number to write a blog post even. <laughs> no, I uh, I agree. This is not going to change anybody's view, including anybody's view at the Fed. You know, we do have, say you look at like three month change in payroll employment, that number is steadily trending down, right? From 500,000 and the, this time last year to maybe 250,000 right now. It's not precipitous. It's sort of a steady decline. It's not down every month. It's the nature of the, the series. But the crazy booming job market of a few years ago seems to have passed. I think that's reflected in things like the unemployment rate, which has been in a very narrow band for the last 18 months. It's 3.5%. The Fed had expected it to be up around four and a half by the end of the year. That's obviously not going to happen. The underemployment rate, basically as low as it gets. Also, 6.7%. That includes who want more work. Labor participation rate and uh, employment population ratio, both sort of at the highest as they've been the last 20 years. So if you're looking at signs of stability, there's plenty of signs of stability. If you are trying to find weakness, I might point to the net revision. I might point to the quits rate dropping a little bit. The percentage of people leaving their jobs without another job is off its highs, though higher than it was before the pandemic. Right. And yeah. And then you can't ignore, you know, the stock market is sort of telling a story as well. What's um, your interpretation of the stock market story? Well, I think it's going up. And maybe it doesn't tell a story from where we sit, but from the comfort level of those invested in stocks, once again, they're watching and once again, they're, hmm, it's a good year for us. 
And that tends to keep spending going, the wealth effect that Greenspan talked about, even at the corporate level, you know, it's like, oh, business is slow, but the stock is up. They kind of still play the game the same way. So another thing that's supporting having to look for cracks and having them right in your face. Right. That said, if we want to segue, there's clearly some ceiling somewhere around the old highs. To me, it would seem challenging to go much past those with things approximately the same, but interest rates higher. Looking at earnings growth, it's, you know, I guess fine. So, you know, that'll be interesting to see if economic fundamentals start to, those cracks start to leak and higher rates start to matter to companies outside of commercial real estate. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if you look at, or if you look at, say, the consumers' net interest rate burden or the net mortgage rate that they're paying, like it's changed very, very little, less or less than you'd expect from mortgages going from 3% to 7%. But people aren't actually spending more money on their mortgages because they're all locked in. I was going to say, you pointed out that there are a lot of them are locked in and they're still eating through the large savings that have accumulated during the pandemic? That's not entirely clear. Like there's definitely some analysis that are saying that that stock of savings that people built up voluntarily or involuntarily has been dissipated in the aggregate, but it's tricky to measure. So I'm I'm not 100% sure of that. Right. But what's left is getting a higher yield. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. So I know uh, we were actually at a work dinner on Tuesday and halfway through the dinner, we got an alert that the rating, U.S. rating has been cut by Fitch. I think you and I might have slightly different interpretations of that or maybe think the implications of it are a little bit different. Why don't you you tell me what you think of that? The broad stroke of it is a couple of analysts trying to get ahead of the curve because they had enough reason to downgrade, create some controversy, get some visibility, So I think there was a a little bit of that in there. But I think, and I've been thinking this for a little while and not to get too far into the weeds, but during, and we had models too, John, that during the bull market and bonds and the ultra low rates, I believe that there was factored in, and you know, bonds are what they are, government bonds, safe, 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 but that the volatility and maybe even the near perfect credit risk was creating a tiny bit of a premium fractional in treasuries, treasury markets that has gone the other way. Now, is that enough to make bonds go 100 basis points higher than where they are? I don't think so. But is there some, whether it's subconscious, whether it's Fitch leaning on these portfolios a little bit, whether it's people are on the offer, not the bid, I think it does have a psychological impact. And I think that psychological impact will add additional pressure in a higher interest rate environment. I think that it might lead to other things that you take a look at that you wouldn't have normally. I'm not saying this becomes one of those emerging market countries that suddenly rates go to 10, 15, 20%. But I am saying that based on the strength and support of the credit of the US and how stable it is, that it moved in my book, a fraction, much like North America, I think, is moving towards Europe 
<laughs> what is it, three inches a decade or something? We're moving away. Uh, it's spreading. Uh, the other way. Like the, spreading, right. They're making, so, they're making new ocean in the middle. They're making new ocean. Okay. So not noticed by anybody, but it's there. So I, so that's what I think. And if you press on that long enough, maybe you'll notice it. But certainly that little fractional excess desire to own bonds or more of them because no volatility existed. You see what happened. And they measured that in a way that was consistent with the last 10 years. So that's what I think. It's something to note, but nothing to keep you up at night. Right. We were closer than I, than I thought. Because I remember you on Tuesday being like, what? Whoa, what's the bond doing? And the bond did go down a lot, like 24 hours later. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I definitely thought that knee jerk and the, and the story it was telling. You're, you're right, right? And, and I've been thinking for a long time that there's going to be some issue with how we've been running our books. And you're right. I reacted like that because it's something that I was wanting to be on top of more than just being surprised at a dinner. My view on rates, you know, my view on bonds. And it's just another thing that supports kind of what you were thinking. And you're absolutely correct. And since I do think rates are still, we're still going higher, I do think that something like this might be another catalyst to hit the bid more on bond prices or however you're positioned for higher rates to to increase that. Yes. Uh, and I still feel that way. Yeah. I mean, I guess so. Like my first thought is that it's a little incoherent to downgrade the issuer of any sort of sovereign currency that's a reserve currency, right? Like in the limit, like more money. But like if they're getting the point that they were getting at in their analysis, was focusing more on the, the political obstacles to being a consistent and sort of healthy member of the world economic community. And I think that that is a reasonable point. And it's not that this is going to make anybody, you're right, it's not going to make anybody change their view, but you feel better about your opinion of a movie when the famous movie reviewer agrees with you, right? You're like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, that too. Yeah, I guess you're explaining it better than than I was. It's not the factor that's going to drive rates higher because we're in a banana republic and our currency is worthless and our bonds might not get paid back. No, but it was enough to break the highs of the last few months out of a channel we've been in. We did run 25, 30 basis points in three or four days. And so whatever the reasons are behind that, this was not something that was going to reverse it. It's more things in, in the pot. And I was thinking that there was something brewing in people's desire to own U.S. bonds over other potential treasury securities, whether you know, non-U.S. or even you know, high-grade corporates. I've had that, that sense for a while. Okay, let's turn to the Fed. They hiked again last month. They've got five more weeks. So they've got a few more employment, they got another employment number at least, and probably two inflation numbers between now and the next meeting. The market, the Fed Funds futures market, is not forecasting another hike. How well, you know you? how accurate that is. <laughs> <laughs> how about you? Are you forecasting another hike? You think they're done? Or is it, we don't know because they don't know. That's, I guess that's an acceptable answer too, right? Uh, yeah, but I think that they are. If, if think they you are look what? at the, they are what? Gonna, uh, I think they are going to hike. Going to hike some more. Okay. The reason I think they need to go higher than whatever the highest expectation is. Uh, sure, inflation's come down. Is the Fed word transitory or not? Wages are still going up. Unemployment is still very low. 
you haven't broken the back of really anything other than the prices of some commodities and real estate, you know, and housing. So I don't think they've done enough of the type of damage, <laughs> not that they're trying to do damage, unless you're in the soft landing camp. Uh, so a- anything that's pretty good, Rob. Like, what's the argument against yeah. soft landing? Like inflation, uh, everyone's got a job. For now, I, I agree with that, right? In fact, I was on that side of the argument when I was talking to somebody about this person didn't like the Fed, and not just uh, Jerome Powell, just in general, like the last several decades. And he was pretty strong about it. Now, I'm not saying I like the Fed or I dislike the Fed. I think the Fed might be misunder- misunderstood of what its real functions are. I un- um, I'm, I'm, I'm going out on a limb. Uh, I unambiguously like the Fed. I'm pro-Fed. I'm pro what the I am too, right? I'm not so sure they they have the power that people think. Their real job is to you know kind of make sure that the banking system works, and then they you know they come in when they when they need it to try to help fix it. And my point to him was unemployment, you know, the lowest it's been in decades. Stock markets, the highest they've been ever, or very close to it. And real estate, your home, as high as it's ever been, not counting the last two and a half years, right? So whatever they're doing, we're getting this outcome that I think everybody likes. So yell at them, not yell at them, think they're smoke and mirrors, fake, a conspiracy, whatever you want to think is great, right? I'll have a conversation with you, but you can't argue as of today, August 4th, (laughs) this is what the result is of what they do. And so when you point that out that, well, we are kind of having a soft landing, unemployment, three and a half percent, stock market up double digits and more, inflation coming down, corporate earnings fine you know it'd be hard for my argument of we're going to have a bumpy landing to hold water at this point but that said i don't believe we've felt the full impact of higher rates at the pace that we've gone the inverted yield curve yet so yes i'm not right or my call or my view that we'd have a a bumpy landing not a soft landing is wrong it's wrong as of today but I still think that when we have the official recession, it's going to be harder than most people think. Yeah. And it's worth noting that if you look at sort of detailed economists' polls, they have been consistently forecasting a recession, which is just kind of rare for them. But they just keep pushing it back as it keeps not, not happening. And it's definitely possible that the interest rates will bite more going forward. That could definitely happen. I mean, the downgrade, while meaningless, you know, on its face value, but is it foretelling higher rates? Yes, most mortgages are locked in, but, you know, affordability for new buyers, commercial real estate, does that bleed? There's a lot of reasons why the unemployment rate is here that aren't the traditional. When you and I talked about boom bust cycles back in the day, more diversified economy, job growth, and a lot of different sectors that certainly make the number look like what it looks. I get it. I understand it. I can even rationalize it. I just don't believe it's sustainable. And when it breaks, I think it's going to be a lot harder of a landing than we're expecting. Uh, Maybe I'm rationalizing my view that we were having a hard landing at the end of this year, beginning of, you know, I thought we were on the one year anniversary of starting to raise rates. I was thinking that, 12 to 18 months after that is when we'd start to feel the pain. And here we are, you know, halfway through that and we haven't really felt the pain. So got to call myself out. 
Yeah, I'll say also, like, if you look, we have a little index that tries to aggregate the various consumer sentiment surveys, and that was trending down concerningly at the beginning of this year and has rallied back to its highest in more than a year and a half or something now, which is good news. And so I'm going to hedge a little bit on my Fed forecast. I think, you know, if you look at the core PCE, which is the Fed targets, let's say take the three month average of the core uh, of the month on month core PCE. And that was definitely hovering sometime between 40 and 50 basis points a month. So that's say six to 8% inflation. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's gone down. It's not sort of an unambiguous clear downtrend, but it has sort of wandered down to about 30 basis points a month. So that's annualized 3.6%. Needs to get down to below 2%. So if we may continue to move that three-month moving average down in the next two PCE numbers, we'll actually only get one more PCE number. We'll get two CPI numbers. And the story there is pretty similar. If the sort of core inflation continues to drift down, I think the Fed holds. And if it doesn't look like it's making progress, I think the Fed hikes some more. They don't want to put people out of business. God didn't invent the Fed. The US Congress did. And they talk about, and if they put people out of work enough, like someone will get mad at them. So if they can have 3.5% unemployment and inflation coming down to a respectable level, they will want to do that. That's my view is contingent on the outcome of the next two CPI prints. So as we're doing this podcast, Federal Reserve's the Atlanta president, Bostic, uh, Bostic yeah, is saying that probably voting for no rate hike. Uh, yeah, more rate hikes might not be needed. Yeah. I should know. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. But I, I think you make good points. You know, and and yeah, I don't like the Fed until they're saving the economy or giving you at least the confidence that something's going to backstop. Somebody's going to buy all the mortgage debt. Somebody's going to lower rates. Somebody's going to inject liquidity into the system. Somebody's going to be in the overnight market so that banks don't get stuck. Uh, see how much, how you like me now kind of thing. Right, 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 right. Okay, I think we'll leave it there. My economy in a nutshell is steady as she goes, labor force growth slowing, but we're still growing positive. And, you know, we're sort of on lookout for signs of recession, but we don't see them yet. If you would like more of our economic views, you should check out the Aster blog on Aster IM. That's IM for investmentmanagement.com. Or you can reach out to your Aster sales rep. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, John. To learn more about Aster Investment Management's research and strategies, please visit us on the web at www.asteriam.com or stay up to date by following us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Thank you. Aster Investment Management LLC is a SEC registered investment advisor. All information contained herein is for informational purposes only. This is not a solicitation to offer investment advice or services in any state where to do so would be unlawful. Analysis and research are provided for informational purposes only, not for trading or investing purposes. All opinions expressed are as of the date of publication and subject to change, they are not intended as investment recommendations.